I really like the word hagiography. Hagiography originally stems from documenting the life of a saint. Over time, though, that meaning changed. This may sound awful, but I don't know if you've ever been to a funeral of someone who wasn't very nice. (laughs) And you sit through the whole service, and everyone's trying to find really nice ways of not saying this person was an asshole. But it's really hard, so they overdo it. They say, oh, this person was so complex and so strong in their ideals, and we admire them for that, blah, 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 blah. That's hagiography. Looking back and painting over the bad stuff. Rose-colored glasses, that sort of thing. So, he's a friend of mine. I was thinking about this before. I remembered he was a he was a bully mm. at school. Was in like the guy who dedicated the song to you? Yeah, and so I didn't know I didn't know him. I didn't go to the same sorry I didn't go to the same school as him. But I knew that he was kind of that like tough guy. You know, he had problems at home, but he kind of would take it out on students and teachers at school. Um, which I really actually hated about him. Yeah, of course. Um, so I think as well that probably affected my receiving of the song because he's like, oh, look, I'm a big softie, but then I'm going to go bash the shit out of someone at school. And <laughs> that's essentially why I stopped like going out with him. I just don't want you all to think that Love Song Dedications was flawless because radio dedications are naturally one-sided. An FM radio is sending one signal and rarely leaving room for a reply. Like, we're celebrating something here, sure. But not everyone had a great time on Love Some Dedications. Or sometimes it didn't do what it set out to do. Like, it was like real. But I was kind of a bit cringy, like, when he did it. And I'm like, oh, you know, that's sweet. So, <laughs> so you're thinking, like, more or less kind of, like, ended the relationship almost. Like, it was just like, this is a sign that we are not... <laughs> We're not the same person. Possibly. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> or, more simply, not every story is happy. And that's okay. But also, when one story ends, another begins. Yeah, I don't know. Do you know what song it was? Yeah, it was Aerosmith's I Don't Want to Miss a Thing. Great stuff. <laughs> wow, he Which really I went... actually do love that song. I see. So, yeah. what, okay, what if your current partner dedicated a song to you? Oh, my God. It would just be funny. It would be so. There's no joke. There's no joy there whatsoever. <laughs> no. And it, like even dedicated Aerosmith. <laughs> no way. <laughs> like I couldn't take it seriously, <laughs> and I don't think he would ever. Yeah. <laughs> my name is Tom, and I'm making a theatre show with my friend Bonnie, all about love songs and the radio host Richard Mercer. The problem is, uh, he's a pretty hard guy to find. This is Missing Richard Mercer. Last episode, there were a few swear words. And um, as the episodes get more emotional, let's just say there's a few more. It's Richard here, and I hope you're having a good night, as you call it. I could say I'm on a great night, yes, because my boyfriend's incarcerated, unfortunately, but he's coming out hopefully on Monday. And I would love to send a song to him to build his spirits up, to let him know I love him and um, to let him know that he's got a lovely woman to come home to, a family that loves him, and um, we're all thinking of him. And uh, for the first time, I got to speak to him on the phone today, and um, it was wonderful. Um, We're ready to share our lives together and our future, and um, we're both recovering addicts. 
and we're both working very hard at it, Richard. How long has he been away from you? He's been away for about uh, three weeks, yeah. So long enough to miss him like crazy. Yeah, oh, like crazy, but his mother has been a gem. Uh, I call her mum as well. Yeah. And she has been a wonderful woman to me. Yeah. A great support. Um, and I couldn't ask for a better mother in future mother-in-law. Oh, look at this. You're in a good family. <laughs> I am in a yeah. Hungarian family. <laughs> and, and your man has been doing it very tough on the inside by the sound of it. He was unfortunately taken away from the foundation program, but let's not go into that. Let's just yeah. say the praises are that he's coming home soon and I can't wait to have my arms around him. And if you could do me the favour of picking a song that's sure that. that would be lovely, Richard, and it's lovely to hear you on the radio. Thank you. I always listen to you and you're just so soothing to listen to, especially for someone like me who's recovering um, and going through such trauma on my own. It's nice to hear a soothing voice. It really is. Thank you. Thank you. And, uh, great work. You have, a, you have a beautiful Monday when it rolls around and the man's home by your side. I will. I will. Thank you very, very much. My name's Joanne and it's for Johnny. Joanne didn't know what song to choose and trusted Richard to find the right one. Things were a bit rough. She was so sad, had much to say and was trying really hard to give a little light to her partner. And at that point... Just playing your favourite song isn't enough. Similarly, asking complete strangers about their favourite song can really stop a conversation, especially their favourite love song. A million thoughts rush through your head about what song means the most to you emotionally, but you have a literal infinite choice from every song you've ever enjoyed, and you want to answer the question, but you're also talking to a weird hairy man in a tram who seems to want to talk about Celine Dion. When you're as obsessed with music as I am you occasionally come across people who aren't as obsessed. And that's totally fine. I mean, they're bonkers, but it's fine. For instance, I met this business consultant who couldn't think of Bonnie Tyler's total eclipse of the heart until she said, oh, you mean the turnaround song? And I said, what's the turnaround song? And she said, you know, turnaround, limelight. Sure, close enough. Everyone else likes that song, she said. She basically said that the song itself wasn't important. So when I said, what about Etta James's At Last? She said, what's that? So I played it to her. And within the first second, she said, oh, this song. Yes, of course, this song. Well, I would never think of this song, but it's like grass, she said. At It's just everywhere. It's in every romantic comedy. It's on TV ads every day. And it's still on the radio. And maybe it's not even that special anymore. But in a world without grass, you'd notice. So, Etta James is at last. Why is it everywhere? For starters, Beyonce sang it for Barack and Michelle Obama's dance at the presidential inauguration. That already is a big deal. But I don't want to talk about Beyonce's version. This is about Etta James, for a good reason. You could ask Etta James herself. I can't stand Beyonce. She has no business up there singing up there on a big old president day. Gonna be singing my song that I've been singing forever. Singing my song. She's gonna get her ass whooped. I was trying to figure out how this is Etta James' song. She didn't write it. 
and it had been performed and recorded a whole bunch before she did hers. But she definitely has the version of it. And really, I guess it's pretty easy. Because it's not just the song, is it? Behind the songs, Etta James's life was constantly dealing with an intense drug addiction, bad management, money problems, jail time, not to mention trying to succeed in a world that judges people based on the colour of their skin or her weight. And throughout all of this, she still toured with the Rolling Stones, she was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and managed to sing the most poignant love song, which is so common now that, well, it's like grass. So this song kept Etta James alive. It is hers. There's one review of Beyonce's rendition by Robert Fontenot, which sums it up really nicely. It says, Beyonce is technically proficient, but is lacking Etta's sly subtext and hard-won earthiness. Beyonce knows how to sing the blues. In other words, she just doesn't know how to have them. And that's probably it, right? The song is about finding love, but... Really, it's about comparing it to when you had nothing. And sure, Beyonce has had her own struggles and her own journey, but she's singing this when she's widely acknowledged to be the most powerful, successful, and probably one of the most beautiful people in the world. Singing it to the most powerful, successful, beautiful couple in the world. Stops being bittersweet, and it's just sweet. You see, when Etta James sings the words, When life is like a song, she means right now, things are okay. But holy shit, life can be hell. The song itself is one thing, but sometimes it's the person who you speak to that changes everything. Hi, Christy Mercer. Oh, has this started? I guess so. I've pressed record. Oh, have you? <laughs> oh, God. Do I need headphones? Like, I feel weird. No, I think it's supposed to be, like, casual. I thought headphones would make it more like, I know, maybe it's going to remind you too much of work. Ah, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, for shoes. I know, only because I know um, as my limited resource of uh, stalking your prolific uh, arts career comes like... <laughs> <laughs> the word prolifics used very loosely around this I know, I feel clearly. like you've done... You've, like, you have definitely more experience behind a microphone than I do, I think. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, I don't have experience doing much else, <laughs> which I've realised was a fucking problem this year, where we got brutally fired from Kiss and I was like, uh, what do I do now? Remember last episode when I was standing in the rain, hiding under a bus shelter, and then Bonnie called, and then Bonnie said... Apparently there's a Christy or Kirsty Mercer, and she's the daughter of Richard Mercer, and she is also a radio person. Okay. Bonnie Lee Dodds, you've brought the goods. It's... <laughs> well, I found her. And yes, I just wanted to get in touch with Richard Mercer. But this podcast has been so analytical from me that, well, this was the perfect chance for me to ask about someone's personal story. So, here we are. I feel like when you go through anything, any big kind of life development, whether that be falling in love, falling out of love, mm. career change, for some people it might be losing someone, breaking up with a friend or, I don't know, big stuff. I feel like you are forced to kind of ask yourself these really big questions like, who am I? <laughs> what, what am I good at? Those casual stuff. What do I like? Mm. And I feel like from a personal place, going through the last six months, so I got fired from, from our radio job. I broke up with my boyfriend of eight and a half years and I moved house in the space of a week. Oh, good. All so, small life things. <laughs> I got the fucking trifecta. <laughs> so like any element of uh, like – 
I don't know how I identified myself, mm. right? It was like the girl in the relationship, the successful radio career girl, the I live in this nice part of Sydney, like all of these. And you realise through this process of being stripped and just when you think you can't be stripped anymore, you feel like it's more stripped, you know, like it really gets you back to bare bones where you ask yourself, okay, well, if I'm not those things, well, what am I and who am I? And people still don't get it. Like I'll go on a date and people are like, what do you do? And I'm like, ah, oh, I have a podcast channel. And they're like, yeah, what else do you do? Everyone's got a podcast channel. I've got one. Do you know what I mean? Like, 100% on of dates, people in this room have a podcast. Seriously. Right? And I think that's fucking amazing. Like good on everybody with a bloody podcast <laughs> yeah, channel. Yeah, yeah. However, in that week when those three big things happened, I'm like, how am I seeing the good in this? This is just hardcore, guys. Like what is the deal? Turns out Christy Mercer is a champion. You know those people who give you everything when you meet them? This conversation sounds like us talking as old friends, but we'd known each other for five, maybe six minutes. She'd been working in radio for years and started a podcast with her mate Stacey June called The Thinker Girls. There's a link in the show notes. The original pitch of the podcast was to record a conversation with the tagline, all the things that chicks are thinking but not saying. So there's everything from female orgasms, can you have sex in your period, when do you say I love you, same-sex marriage, anything and everything. The podcast has been going for years, and the two had such a good dynamic and experience that they were suddenly on air on KISS FM, formerly Mix FM, the same station that Richard Mercer was on, until they were, in Christie's words, fired brutally. The Thinker Girls podcast at the moment is Stacey and Christie dealing with the fallout and life still learning. Life is like a song. And even if that song is grass, some days the ball lands straight on the green, other days in the rough. I think Stace called it. She goes, fuck this. Radio's not working. We need to stop banging on doors that are closed. Mm. There's, there's no point. The thing is, you can't bang on doors that are open, otherwise your hand sort of just goes into the room. Very true. Does the nature <laughs> of you talking to your uh, audience change between... Radio and podcasting, right? Like, like you still have to be kind of pretend to have this very sort of intimate relationship with your audience on radio. More Not pretend we do on on radio. I always found like yeah. on radio, it's just like you kind of have to fake it a little bit. Whereas on podcast, especially like listening to you, like uh, you are very like you are immediately friends with anyone who's listening. Yeah, because I feel like at least from the, the from what I could basically find um, yeah. on Kiss was very much like I think you had to. You kind of have to force it sometimes when you don't, when you don't even feel it. On the podcast, like, you're in control there, right? I think there'd be, yeah, I, I think there's an element on being in radio, any commercial media, mm. that um, it's commercial media. So it's like if you're having a shit one or if you're going through a breakup, which I was at the time, mm. and you are just broken, like there'd be times where... I was just like a shell of a human. We'd be sitting in a planning meeting. It's like, all right, guys, what do we want to talk about today? Oh, what are you, what are your thoughts on this, Christy? I'd sit there and I'm like, I'm dying I'd look inside. at Stace. I'd just be like, I don't know. Mm. I don't have an opinion. I can't think about any. I can't function. Mm. Do you then go bang on 7 p.m. and it's like, the thinker girls, am I sharing that? <laughs> Fuck no. Because like, there might be an, a, a break that you cover on that. Yeah, but it's of like, course. if that's a feeling you've had over. Eight months, which it was, mm. such a drawn-out long process. It's like if you're Sue driving home from fucking netball training, 
I don't want to hear about this bitch grieving her relationship mm. again. Well, it's so weird because course. obviously your podcast is that though, and you're still you're definitely getting that audience feedback. Like like your audience is so much more invested in you and your problems. Like doesn't that show that podcasting is working? Hugely in your favour then. Podcasting, I think, is mega um, intimate. It's like the most captive audience you could ever imagine. Mm. And I sit on both sides because I feel the same when I listen to podcasts. I know the people. I know about their family. I know about their partners. You have a real rapport with um, with people, this real intimacy of knowing things about them and their lives that probably their family members and their mates, unless they've listened to a podcast, like the shit that you would know about me that my mum would have no idea about. So when you say it's intimate, it is. It's it, That's true, completely true. So to answer your question in short, yes, I think there there is a different, not pressure, but a different um, consideration when you're on radio um, to being raw and real and genuine and vulnerable, but there's – there's a there's a cap, I suppose, because it's commercial, and then you can't drop the f bomb nearly as much. No, not as much as mm. we just. Oh, you do it with love. vigor, both of we you. Just love. like <laughs> I reckon, we pulled it back too. So this is us being good girls, but we love to swear. So I know that was a very long winded way of answering the question, but yes, I think the question was like, "How are you?" No, no, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's all a conversation here. It's fine. <laughs> Okay, so was was radio a thing that you've always wanted to do or is it just you with, like, is there sort of family influence there, I guess, is sort of my question. Or, like, is there, like, a, a history of you being surrounded by radio or conversation? That sort Are of you way? asking me about my dad? Yeah. <laughs> Everybody is, and I'm sick of answering. Yeah, cool. I okay. genuinely, when I was younger, I just thought I'd be a rich and famous singer. Hmm. Well, you nailed it. <laughs> genuinely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 28, nailed it. No, um, I just... I, again, like talking about, it's been a big theme in my brain lately about this sense of identity that you get from what you do for a job or what your talent or your skills are. And I think I was so identified with and all my friends and family knew me as the singing girl, like since I was really young, played guitar, wrote songs, like sung, like, and that was, you know, did, you know, drama and singing and dancing and that and was... was like automatic for you. Yeah, it mm. was. Like I... <laughs> look back at family videos and my whole family's just like, oh, cringe. There's me, bossy boots, like telling everybody what role they are in this in the mm. in the family play that I would make up. <laughs> like that to me came um, incre- yeah, incredibly naturally. It's a wonder why they didn't support you in that <laughs> career. My, I look back now and I'm like, thanks for keeping me grounded, Dad, but also like you were fucking savage because he'd be like, so what time is your dancing? You What time are you on? Are you on in the first half or the second half? This is both my parents. And I'd be like, oh, I'm on in the second half. They'd be like, cool, well, we're not going to sit through the first half of all the randoms because it's shit. Yeah, okay. You know, like The trick the- is to pick up a skill late at the end of high school and that's when they're like, oh, no, this is what they want to do. To the do. point now where I look back and I'm like, it's any bloody wonder that I just pushed through <laughs> because they weren't like there would be, you know, I had mates that were, I had mates that um, had parents that would be there at the dancing competitions right through the day and really they're supporting and showing an interest. My parents are like, okay, I'll drop you off and catch you in six hours, you know? <laughs> so mm. they were su- supportive. To a degree. To a degree. To a, to yeah, to a fairly to limited degree. To the point degree. that you are, okay, but you, so you, you're only, you're recently singing again, like you're, 
like you're recently performing and singing. That's only really recently, yeah, like in that, the last six months. Yeah, so you, you, it's like it didn't never died. It never truly died. Yeah, seriously. And ultimately now, I guess, like this whole thing about you saying you're stripping back and trying to find out what you love, is that like you're returning to those kind of things or is this just like something that's laid dormant and it's just had a chance to flourish and burst or something like that? I think it's, um, yeah, because honestly, I was thinking about this the other day. I'm like, if I if our contract just got renewed at Kiss or we just were working another radio station, say, mm. they go, cool, you've got another two-year contract. After that, cool, you've got another five-year contract. Would I ever have the balls um, to take a minute and stop and ask myself, what is it that I really like and what lights me up? Oh, yeah, singing. Should I maybe start doing that? Or mm. I, And I, on hand on my heart, no, there is no way I would have the guts to have done that. To have done it. No way. So already I'm looking back on things that at the time you're like, how can I see good in this? Mm. And I'm already like, when you're challenged, man, like, and you ask yourself, like I was saying, there's big questions before, that's something that's come out of, of me asking myself those things. Because mm. I think it's been so easy over the last 10 years to be like, oh, yeah, I sing and, oh, yeah, like, I'll get back to it at some point. I never fucking meant that. I, I find singing incredibly... Um, Oh, so soul-bearing and I don't think I've been like ready to like basically rip my heart out and hold it in a hand in front of people and be like, judge me. What do you yeah, think? Here is Oasis is Wonderwall. What do you think? Honestly. Yeah. And I, you know, that song's lame, but I can probably work out a cool way to cover it. Yeah. <laughs> really reinvent so it. So I welcome you. I welcome your feedback. And well, here's a guitar, Christy. And I like One to see song you. I won't be doing is Horses. Just okay. Saying. Not a Horses fan. Well, <laughs> a far superior song is Daryl Braithwaite's "One Summer," in my opinion. Like, I don't even know what that is. Oh, come on, Chris. Okay, well, like, okay, all right. Here's all right. If we're gonna go like deep into it, here we go. Okay, you were talking about like um uh like a long term relationship then ending. Yeah, um, I went through the exact same thing. Like, it was you know really mean the same amount of time, and like music was this um. Mm. Like I was, I was actually almost terrified of music, only because I knew that music was so uh, important to your state of mind. And it's mm. like post breakup, yeah. What do you listen to? And like, did you find like I know that's just a weird question sort of ask right now, but I was like, no, it's not weird at all. I just find myself like, I, like I reckon um, the only thing that really got me through this, like the post breakup period, where you're trying to figure out all this kind of stuff, is that I had um, two Otis Redding's albums on a loop. I was like, oh, this, like, everything's okay because these songs yeah. are sort of helping you through that. Do, like, how are breakups and love songs or breakup songs for you? Do you have any like that? Yeah, it's so interesting because... Daryl Braithwaite's horses. <laughs> She's... Nah. <laughs> the whole time I was in a relationship, right? And I have only... I only had this light bulb moment recently where I was like, the fuck? Like, things just kind of morph and change and evolve. It's not sometimes who you go, oh, Wow. Why did that – that's really interesting when you psychoanalyze things. Basically, the whole time I was in a relationship, I stopped listening to music. Oh, that sucks. I didn't – no, you know what the music – because I came out of that relationship and you ask yourself questions like, who am I? What do I like? But also smaller questions, i.e., what shows on Netflix do I watch yeah, now? Yeah. What music do we listen to on our fucking soundbar that we bought for Christmas? Yeah, of course. And I genuinely was like, oh, my God. Why have I been listening only to Rap Caviar on Spotify? <laughs> oh, that's right. Because my, that's what my boyfriend listened to. Yeah, okay. But I, I've always said, oh, yeah, I'm into – so I studied music for a year out of school and that was like um, majored in voice, ended up being at a bit of a loss at the end because I was like, I don't want to be a writer, a composer, 
I, and I don't – I'm really shit at music theory and I don't want to be a music teacher. I want to sing and perform. So why the fuck do I need to be studying this yeah, for three yeah, years? Yeah, of course. You either got I think it. everyone goes to anyone like, studying is like, It's wait, radio though. <laughs> like you either got it or you don't. Like yeah, you don't okay. need a piece of paper to tell people. You just need to dive in head do first. It, yeah. Right? And I wasn't. I wasn't prepared and passionate enough at that time to give away Thursdays to Sundays when everyone was starting to go out and get blind at 18 and go to clubs. Like that's where, that's what I wanted to be doing. That's where I was like, I don't want to be like, I don't want to be starting it. Yeah. I just, I realized that I wasn't, I didn't love it enough, you know? Um, So what are you listening to post breakup then or now? I mean, like when I say post breakup, I mean like, you're a human that is not defined by your breakup. But yeah. I mean, like if you're saying now your tastes have changed. Yeah. So the whole time in that in that relationship, I people would say, what music are you into? And I'd say, I love soul. Mm-hmm. I really like, because um, there are all the artists that, I don't know, like you kind of hear bits and pieces with and you're like, oh, that's the cool thing to like, isn't it? It's a bit like left of center. It's mm-hmm. not like. You know, Lil Wayne. Do you mean like old soul? Or do you mean like, yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, I've always had like a, I don't know, I feel this like connection with, um, yeah, like Otis Redding, kind of Etta James, like uh, Nina Simone, Mm -hmm. um, Marvin Gaye. I mean, they're the best of the best, aren't they? Like, But there's something in, it speaks to me in this way that I don't know. But it, it throughout that whole relationship, some people would ask, and they'd be like, oh, how good is this album? And I'd be like, oh, yeah. Because it was such a surface thing where I was like, I would say I'd like that music, but I was, was I ever listening to it? No. Mm. And was I ever listening to any music? I swear to fucking God, for eight years, it was like all I listened to was rap caviar. And the only time I listened to that playlist <laughs> was when I was at the gym, right? <laughs> and then I went through this breakup and I was like, I realized that listening to that music when I was in a relationship was painful. Yeah. And I, so I stopped doing it. So I did the opposite. You know how sometimes people can't listen to music they connect with after a breakup? I yeah. know a mate of mine was like, every time she got in a car, she'd have to stop. She'd have to turn the radio off. She's like, can't listen to this song. It reminds me of him. So much can't listen to this song. It reminds yeah. me of him. I was the opposite. It was this weird thing where I was like, just. And because I'm a singer too, I listen to lyrics mm. and I just listen to Anderson Park, like have yeah, been yeah. on repeat because <laughs> there's this element of like soul in his voice, like he's been through something. Yeah. But also an element of, I don't know, like, fuck you, I'm doing what I want. Like, the, the, I don't know, there's this element, I don't know, that I've really, and still happy. Like, mm. uh, yeah, I think sometimes. I don't know. I don't like just to listen to soul that's like all ballads. Yeah, of course. Or all happy. I like the 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 mix, but it's really interesting. And I think I've only probably realized in the last series, like it's a new discovery in the last few mm. weeks that I'm like, why couldn't I listen to any of this stuff when I was in a relationship? And yeah. I think there's something about it that is um, I find truthful. And I think for a lot of that relationship, I wasn't being truthful with myself about who I was and what I wanted and and what made me happy. So it's a really nice thing now to be back to that and listening to that kind of music. I mean, I guess like uh, you're sort of talking about how that's like, I mean, I, I sort of see that kind of stuff like Anderson Pack and stuff as a continuation of soul. Like it's, I think even defined as sort of neo soul or yes. whatever and all those kind of people. So really it's like, I know you're combining all your sort of soul love with that kind of rap caviar 
Yeah. So yeah. That's and I mean, it just also is has all that modern kind of um, sensibility and modern politics and modern yep. like knowledge in the world. So it seems yep. like makes so much sense on paper. Is it giving you that? And it's giving you that kind of like joy. It's inspiring that, me. Hmm. The first thing I do when I get up in the morning, I was I play me. I put I turn on my salt lamp. You just drop a verse. I turn on my salt lamp, yeah. and then I will put on like. Of course, Jill. you've got a salt lamp. Then- yeah, you are that person, aren't you? <laughs> Yeah. And then I'll put on. No, you you have to turn those things on like regularly, otherwise they weep. It's so weird. Did you know that? No. If you don't put us, I went away to Sri Lanka. Oh, it's like a pet. Yeah, and then I came back, and there was all this water around my electrical cords. I was like, "What the fuck?" And oh, it then it's like they you. sweat. They sweat slash weep when you yeah, don't okay. turn them on because something about the moisture or something. So every morning I put my salt lamp on, and then I'll put like Jill Scott or yeah, Erica okay. Badu on, and it just. It feels, yeah, it inspires me. Mm. It really, it really inspires me because I feel like singing something that I've wanted to do, said I've wanted to do, and after saying that for 10 years, like, I'll get back to it at some point. I got so sick of pretending. Mm. I was like, either do it or don't, babes, because if not, like, you're going to have to fucking find another job, you know, because mm. that's been, um, yeah, interesting in itself. Like, getting back to what you are saying before, it's like, Spending time behind a microphone. How'd you get into it? Have you done anything else? I kind of started in radio when I was a baby, when I was like 20. So I'm a bit like, what other even skills do I have? We've got different definitions of the word baby, but that's okay. <laughs> that's really, it's, yeah, it's little. <laughs> yeah, it is. You know what I mean? In terms yeah, yeah. of. On like if, how human you are, really, of like. See, and you've got no idea who you are when you're oh, 20. Yeah. You so just, pre you just, that. You just do things because so, someone. So. So pre-20, did I have any other ideas as to what I could offer the world? Nah. I sold life insurance and would cry at my desk on the reg. That's about like, right. <laughs> at least you could insure yourself. Do you know my good. Do you know the people that my bosses were like, never tell anybody how old you are? I was hungover as fuck, you know, like on a Thursday after uni night on Wednesday. And like selling five hundred grand's worth of life insurance to Tom. Mm. Who just wants to protect his Tom, family what a dick. and his livelihood? <laughs> and I was like, eighteen. <laughs> Would In, you be buying life insurance of a hungover eighteen-year-old? Uh, probs not. Probs not. Because I had like, like give a, me life advice. Like, what can you offer? I was at, no, but I did all the courses, so it was like legal and shit. Like, <laughs> I was just, I don't. I had like a good phone manner and like an old mm. voice. So, <laughs> 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 so old like, voice, love it. I always had a deep voice. Yeah. Okay. So nice the family, <laughs> for real, though. <laughs> really, that you reckon that's a thing? Heritage owned through your genes. That's you. That your voice is like part of that. Maybe, but I am my own person. Yeah, okay. So oh, let's course. not draw too much. No, of course. You know. Every time I do something that's eerily like my dad, it catches myself out. I could, every time, every now and again, I hear my own voice and I go, "That's my dad." Oh yeah, I'm my dad. I can't even like I find myself standing like him. Or see, I've been trying to escape that oh. for a while. So anyway. Let's move on. Wow. A little deep. Oh, there's juice in that, yeah. isn't it? It's just because you're trying to define yourself outside of your family. Is that it? Oh, my God. You have actually hit the nail on the head of my last year and a half of therapy. Okay. <laughs> I'm, <That's, it's>, <laughs> you're right. I'm, so, I'm almost sorry then. We go in so many circles here. But, mm. no, I started going and seeing a therapist properly to sort out my issue, my, not issue, my relationship with alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's so interesting when you think you've got things kind of yeah, like sorted. I'm just like, oh, I just need to stop drinking white wine. White wine makes me crazy. But if I don't have that, I'm completely fine. I need to like have waters in between or some shit because then I'll be fine. And all these – and that was like over over a decade. Mm. 
where I was like able to excuse kind of blacking out, waking up in the morning and being like, what did I say? And I think everybody's experienced that, but that would be like quite regular for me mm. when I did drink. So anyway, I started going and speaking to a therapist about that and it was Stace that was like, are you sure there's nothing else underlying that you're trying to escape or blah, blah. And I was like, babes, I've got – I'm so close with my family. I've been in a relationship for a really long time. We're probably going to get married in Bali. I've got screenshots. <laughs> got this great job. I've what got could go sca- wrong? You've got brilliant yeah, job. I've achieved my my dream job at 26. You know, like what the fuck? What have I got to be drinking and escaping from, man? We started like working on like how. What did she call my family? It was an enmeshed family. Mm. So it's like all these really kind of toxic, uh, reliant relationships on each other and my whole adult life has been trying to break away from that because I am like the fixer, have been in my family, I think, because I moved away too. There's this like sense of guilt of not being home. Yeah, of course. And so I'd be on the phone to like, you know, mum would be like, fucking your dad's, you know, said this and then I'd I'd pick up the phone and I'd be like, dad, what's the deal? Mum said that you, Baba, and just getting in the middle of things because I was like, it's my job to sort things out, Mm. you know, and I'd hear different sides of the story and then my brother and sister, like my parents, it sounds like, yeah, I don't know. I think they had no idea and they still do it but very much have pulled our entire family, so they're three kids into their own relationship problems and that to me – has been so normal to have a dialogue and a sense of authority to comment on your parents' relationship. Yeah, wow. Like I remember my brother at about 12 being like to my mum, is that a new top? <laughs> you, you're wasting dad's money. And why would, why would, you know, I just look back at that and I'm like, that is messed up. Like as a child, you think you have, because he's been told for his whole life he mm. is allowed to comment on the way that my mum spends just because that's what he's saying her money like yeah. and it's not dad's money like they have been married for 35 years mm. you know what i mean so that's just one example of like how yeah family issue i feel like their issues became family issues yeah well do they listen to your podcast and do they or like like did you, I mean, I feel like it's the kind of thing that you would be you, if if you if you're telling me about this in that kind of detail, it's obviously like information that's out there. Like, do they know? Like, how um, or how worried are you about that? Or are you just like, fuck it, I'm my own. This is, <laughs> this is what I'm doing now. Uh they listened to a podcast when I first spoke about it. Yeah, okay. Dad was mad, but never never said anything to me. Hmm. But then my mum told me that she agreed with what I was saying. So it's interesting because it's like I would speak to my dad about this, I reckon, and he'd be like, oh, well, that's bullshit. He's quite like quite a cynic. I can't imagine it. Mm, yeah. He's a real, he's a real, um, what's the word? Like he's a real Aussie blokey. Well, I just think that's bullshit. It's just, you know, like kind of surface, which is interesting when you say before about um, – I don't know. I think moving away at such a young at a young age, um, and moving into state where it wasn't like I could pop in, blah blah blah. I think that was a really important um, experience for me because you see your family and your parents in particular in a really different light. Mm. I think for good and for bad, because um, there were elements of their relationship and then personally and my family that I was that you really 
miss and you want to bring into your own relationship and to your own personality. But fuck, there are also a lot of things that I was like, you see things more clearly where I'm like, oh, I said this to mom, I think recently, I'm like, thank you for teaching me what I don't want to have in a relationship. That might sound awful. Or did she just say, oh, no, fine. Or was that nah, like a punch or something like nah, that? No, she was... I feel like I can speak to my mum more openly than I ever have. Yeah, okay. Because I'm not angry at her anymore about like, well, you and dad did it this way and I'm never going to do that. You know how... And is that you, any recent, by the way, the last Yeah, quite months? recent. Yeah. Yeah, pretty recent. Where I feel like there was always this expectation of... Um, especially the relationship with mum. I've always been pretty close to dad. I think we're similar in a lot of ways, like this kind of headstrong, resilient, just, I don't know, stamina, like just get it over and done with kind of, you know, like I'm a worker too. So there's an element of me that has this real kind of deep emotional um psychoanalyzing side that my dad doesn't really have. Mm. And so that's part of me, but there's also part of me that's a bit like, all right, let's roll with this. If we've, you know, like I can yeah. make do, I think I'm pretty resilient, which I think I do get that from my dad. But then with mum, we've always had this kind of relationship where I've just been constantly disappointed that she's not a different kind of mum that you see in movies or your friends have where they're like sitting on, sitting on a bed in their pajamas, discussing the boy they kissed at a school dance. You know, I was like, Always, I think I grieved that up until like really pretty recently. Yeah, okay. Where I was like, that's the way we, our relationship should be and it's not and I'm sad about that and I'm mad. Like, Which is so, which is, I don't know, almost so unfair how infected we, we've become by seeing other people's parents. God damn. God, but I'm- also like you look at media, like you look at the way movies, TV shows are, like advertising. Yeah. I feel like there's extra pressure on chicks just as it is. So then you combine that by two chicks, uh, a mum and a daughter, and it's like enter the stereotypical relationship with your mum. And if you don't have this, it's a bit shit, Mm. you know? So I think, um, yeah, there were totally elements of me being away where I was like, I saw what I didn't want to be as a person too. Where I was like, you know, when you're younger and your parents, I don't know. They're like, I was just like you one day. And part of you is like this real anger where you're like, when I when I have kids, I'm not going to do it like you. Like I remember having these <laughs> yeah. yelling matches where I was like, I'm, I'm going to be the, I'm going to be a cool parent. I'm going to let my kids go to, you know, like when you had a curfew or things like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So going to stay up past seven. <laughs> so there's an element of me now that's like, oh, I don't know that, yeah. Yeah, there's elements of things that I'm like, that was just regular old, you know, teenage rebellion mm. where you're like, oh, they were actually pretty good parents. <laughs> yep. But then also there are hardcore things where I'm like, I want nothing to do with that element of the way you've lived your life mm. or the way you approach that or the way you are in this scenario. It's probably like it's a full-on way to learn things, but I've totally learned I totally learnt the way that I want to sculpt a healthy relationship by seeing their often unhealthy relationship. Yeah, of course. Mm. God, it's heavy. <laughs> isn't it? God, life's full on, isn't it? <laughs> and you really get down Welcome, to it. Welcome, Dal. <laughs> now I understand. <laughs> Legit, though. Um, well, thanks so much for this. I feel like you've been like, uh, I don't know, it's... It's uh, there's something weird about like hearing someone on a podcast and being open and like talking to them face to face and then being 
just as open. Oh my god, is this over? I don't know. I think so. I don't know. I, I just feel like I feel so weird. I'm like, I have I just like, did I just go off on tangents? Yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> nothing wrong with that. That's the whole point of this is that I ask you a bunch of questions and you just like to get to go nuts. I think. Oh. I don't know. I don't know what this is for. I'm not a professional. I'm not an investigative journalist. You did a pretty good job. Okay, thanks. Oh, seriously though, is this over? <laughs> we can keep it going. <laughs> Part of me is like, did you get what you need or have I just been rambling? I don't know. Was that a fake laugh, by the way? No, but that no, was no, real. I'm kidding. It's that was cool. legit. <laughs> Although I, yeah, I'm, I'm not very match fit with a fake laugh. Mm, mm. I haven't had to do it for a while. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that was a fake one. Just a couple times during this interview. It's nice. No. no. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe my last kind of question is, can I have like... um. Is there a way after this big talk about your family? I know this is such a weird sort of request, but like, yeah, yeah. Um, can you get me Richard Mercer's phone number? Richard Mercer? Oh, yeah, that's not my dad. Okay, okay I just. I... What? You, you. You said you, you, you fool. You said your father, Rich, and then the bit was Kiss FM and Bonnie. Oh, for, 45, 45 minutes, Christy. You could have, you could, you could have, you, you, you. Ooh. <sighs> Yep, 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 yep. Swing and a miss. Massive thanks to Christy Mercer for that one. You can find a link to the Thinker Girls podcast in the show notes. The recent episodes on endometriosis are particularly fantastic. Highly recommended. Oh, before I forget, tickets are on sale to love song dedications without Richard Mercer, the theatre show that Bonnie and I are making. Go to missingrichardmercer.com slash info. That is missingrichardmercer.com slash info. For all the information about the show, you can buy tickets. And if you're a listener to the podcast, you can book using the promo code LOVEGOD and you'll get a discount. Eh, don't say I don't do anything for you. Our theme music is by Tom Hogan. Visit missingrichardmercer.com for more information. And thank you for listening. Do you want to... Do you want to- there's a bin in that cupboard. Just when I keep it I see. I leave it in. See where you think the fridge should be? That's where the fridge this. should be. That is now the bin area. Okay. Welcome. Whoa. So when we first moved in, they had like this integrated fridge. Yeah, okay. And which, which died. So then we had to get this bulbous fridge. Yep. And then you've just got a giant bin. How, 80, how 80s <laughs> is this though? Oh, yeah. That's we got it. We point. got it from this... Um, <laughs> We got it from this secondhand store in Ramwick called Ice Spice Baby. <laughs> you know, Vanilla Ice has a had a company called Lights Lights Baby. Vanilla Ice did, yeah, promoting just different lights for like normal households. And he had like a um, a, a handyman TV show where he'd turn up to sort of help people fix their drawers and stuff like that. Is this like, before he made it big? It's after. <laughs> That's it's, so it's, much. It's him trying to get back on the horse. Just like yeah, and so he turn oh, up. He's like, no. if you got a problem, yo, I'll solve it. I'll drill oh, your no. draw. It's, it's like sad. Do you reckon that's but... after he had all of the bills to pay for oh, his yeah. plagiarism? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah.
It's, He's it's, like, I'm back, baby. Yeah, I'm back on TV. I'm a Don't worry, that was again. me six months ago. And I'm like, what other skills do I have? Like, I can fix a good drawer. Like, what jobs? Seriously, it's a confronting, it's a fucking confronting when moment. When Vanilla Ice is unsure of his backup plan. Mm. Mm. What other does Christy Mercer have? You know what I mean? Like, if that guy's struggling, Jesus.